Good morning, everyone. What a wonderful word that was from Chris, and you know that's so true, that our worship does give God pleasure. He loves it when we worship him. Uh, I think that's a, that's a lovely word of encouragement for us all. And both that, really, and what Peter prayed does fit very well with this morning. This morning, the topic fitting in with what we've been doing about who God is and how he is bigger than everything. Um, the topic is wisdom, the wisdom of God. And that's a huge topic. You can't really do that in half an hour. There are some kind of obvious places to begin, but when I said to God, what shall I begin with? He surprised me by giving me a scripture that he's talked to me about before. Not the obvious choice, perhaps, for a, um, a talk on wisdom, but it's Psalm 32, verse 9. Could we have the picture? Yeah, thank you. Wonderful. It goes like this, Psalm 32, verse 9. Be not like the horse or mule, which lack understanding or wisdom, which must have their mouths held firm with bitten bridle, or else they will not come with you. Now, I've talked to the Lord before about this, because when I had my horse, I did a lot of work with her without the bitten bridle. And the point of it was that you loved the animal so much, they know that, they can feel that, and then they will cooperate with you without using fear, without using a restraint. And we got to where that if I was to walk around in the covered school, she would walk. If I stopped, she would stop. If I thought in my mind, I want you to get up onto the pedestal, she would do it. If I thought in my mind, I want you to go under that scary line with all the scarves hanging down, she would do it. If I trotted, she would trot. We got to where we could read each other and there was no bit or bridle and there was no restraint involved. So a while ago I said to God, so what's with this scripture then? And God said, I'm not telling you it was a good thing that horses were trained by fear and by constraint. And by the way, there is a good way to use a bit and bridle. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. But where there's fear and force, where there's law, then it's a bad thing. And in this scripture, the bit and bridle represent the law. Um, and what I did with my horse, if you like, represents grace. And it needed wisdom. It needed that working together. And so God gave me that scripture and then he said, wisdom correlates with grace. Grace and wisdom are intertwined, if you like, and the more you understand grace, the more you'll understand God's wisdom. So I thought, well, okay, so why? And that's because Jesus actually embodies grace, doesn't he? Jesus is grace personified. And he also personifies wisdom. Grace and wisdom are both together, if we can have the next one. 
Christ is wisdom personified. He is also grace personified. The two things are in him and are him. And there are some scriptures that back that up. 1 Corinthians 1.24 says, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Colossians 2.3 says about Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge regarding the word and purposes of God. So in Jesus is wisdom, he is wisdom. If we're seeking wisdom from God, we can actually seek Jesus because he is it. He can give us all that we need. He is also that which embodies grace. And there are so many scriptures about that. John 1.14, or it, sorry, it might be John, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll check the reference after, it might be my writing, but it's, it's basically that he is full of grace and truth. He personifies grace and he personifies wisdom. If we want grace, we seek Jesus. If we need wisdom, we seek Jesus. And John 1.17, while the law, the bit and bridle, if you like, was given through Moses, and the law brought fear and constraint, didn't it? While the law was given through Moses, the bitten bridle and all the fear, grace, the unearned, undeserved favour and spiritual blessing and truth come through Jesus Christ. Come through Jesus. Amen. I think me... Okay. So we're going to be talking about grace. First of all, though, I thought, well, a little bit of background to God and his wisdom. Because it says in Daniel 2.20 that God is the source of wisdom. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. I quote, that that's, we think of, when we think of God, we perhaps think of the Father. We've already said that in Jesus are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 1 Corinthians 2.7 refers to the Holy Spirit. When we speak in tongues, we're speaking God's wisdom in a mystery. So each person of the Godhead embodies wisdom. It's also evident that... Wisdom existed in God before time began. It says in Proverbs 8.23, from the beginning before earth existed, I, godly wisdom, existed. And Jeremiah 5.15, that he established the world by his wisdom and the heavens by his understanding. And I mean, that's just awesome when you think that he created the world with wisdom. And um, we've sang that song this morning, haven't we, about creation. When the Watch and Pray team met on Monday, Peter gave us each a flower, and we all looked at it. We all looked at it and thought about it, and God spoke to each one of us in a different way 
through that flower because nature is just full of parables. It's just full of hidden meaning. Nature is like saying, I'm here. It's like God saying, I am here. Just look and see. Look at the sun. The sun is the giver of life. Without the sun, everything on earth would die. But if you, it's also an awesome and a dangerous thing. It's kind of like God. The trees are like God. The leaves take in harmful chemicals, carbon dioxide. They take that into themselves and they give out life, they give out oxygen. But God can speak to you in all sorts of ways if you look at something in nature and it's just awesome. And I think it's really awesome that even though the world has fallen and even though the world, we see the evidence of that in nature, there is still an intricate balance. It is so complex, but there's always that balance of nature if it's left to itself. Absolutely awesome. And there are some amazing, amazing things that make you go, wow. How do little termites, who haven't got a brain as we know it, how do they know to build their mounds so that they get the morning sun to warm them up and wake them up. And yet, as the sun goes round and everything gets too hot, the mound is designed to keep them cool. I mean, how do they do that? How do they know? It's just incredible. God's wisdom. He's given a share of his wisdom, not just to us, but to the whole, whole of nature. Just awesome. And it, it is clear. He established the earth by his understanding. Now, when it comes to us, of course, he also used that wisdom to come up with a plan of salvation before the world even began. Okay? Before the world even began, he knew. We've talked about that, haven't we? We've talked about God's for knowledge. We've talked about him knowing everything, seeing everything, being everywhere, and he knew that man was going to fall. And in his wisdom, before the earth was even created, he came up with a plan to redeem mankind. Ephesians 1, 4 says, he chose us in Christ selected us for his own before the foundation of the world. And 1 Peter 1.20 tells us that Jesus coming to the earth was ordained before the foundation of the earth. There are lots and lots of scriptures about that. And the really clever and wise thing about the plan of salvation was that it outwitted the devil because the devil thought he defeated God. He had come along and corrupted mankind and like, God, you can't touch me because you can't touch me without touching mankind whom you love so much and there's no way out. But God is so wise and he is so full of grace. There had to be both, didn't there? 
He had to be wise enough to outwit the devil, but he also had to have enough love and grace, or he'd have just left us to get on with it. You know, he might have thought, well, they obviously don't really appreciate me, let them get on with it. But he had enough grace to come and redeem us. And that's just so awesome. And it says in... um, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 8, it actually tells us that Satan did not understand the plan of salvation. None of the rulers of this age recognized and understood this wisdom. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If the enemy had understood that the cross was this great outpouring of grace and redemption, he would not have crucified Jesus. And that's awesome, isn't it? And that gives us a huge advantage. It gives us a huge advantage over the enemy because it shows, for one thing, it shows us that the devil does not understand wisdom and grace. In fact, I'll use a word about the devil that I would never, ever use about a person, ever. But the devil is a retard when it comes to understanding love, grace, and God's wisdom. Now, he's clever. He knows how to push our buttons. He knows how to get us going. But he has no understanding whatsoever of love, grace, and the wisdom of God. So that gives us a huge advantage. And that is why we can overcome evil with good. Because that's what God did on the cross. The devil was evil, we became evil. God overcame it with love, with grace, with wisdom. And I think that's the one. That's why love is such a huge weapon. The enemy can't understand it. That's why it bowls people over if you will love them when they've not been good to you. Because that's how God operated. That's how God still operates, by pouring out his grace and wisdom to us. So, the thing is though, that's well and good, but how do we tap into that love and that wisdom? We all need wisdom, don't we? We all need it for our everyday lives, even if there's nothing as massive as having to return love to someone who's perhaps not treated us too well. We all need wisdom just for everyday life. How do we tap into it? There's a couple of things I'm not going to spend too long on, um, but which are fairly obvious. One of them is ask. Um, You may know the story of Solomon, who became king after his father David died. And God came to Solomon and said, pretty much you can have anything you like. What would you like? I'm going to give you whatever you want. And Solomon made a wonderful choice and said, I want wisdom. I want wisdom and knowledge to go out and rule these people. And God was blown away by this. And not only did he give Solomon wisdom and understanding to use 
the things that he knew, but he also gave him lots of other things as well. And then in James 1.5, a very well-known scripture, it just says, if you need wisdom, then do ask God, and he will give it in great measure. So that's a fairly obvious thing. Oh, and by the way, when, when James describes the wisdom that you can get from God, part of the description is full of compassion. That sounds like grace to me. That sounds like grace and wisdom go together again to me. There's a wonderful description of that wisdom um, in the Bible, including that full of compassion. Okay, so ask. We ask, we seek it. We seek it and ask it. Um, Proverbs tells us to seek after it. It's a treasure. It's telling us really to seek after Jesus, isn't it? If we remember that grace and wisdom are in Jesus, Proverbs is telling us to seek wisdom like it's hidden treasure, seek Jesus. That's fairly obvious. The other thing I'm not going to spend too long on is, um, is reverential awe and worship because I spoke on that a year ago. Um, Proverbs 9.10 says, the reverential fear, that is the worship of God, and considering him awesome is the beginning and the essence of wisdom. And so that's easy, isn't it? We worship God and we keep worshiping God so that we can tap into that wisdom and that grace. And if any of you make a point of doing that every day in your lives, no matter what, um, then I, that will change your life, as I've said before. So ask, seek, worship. The one I want to spend a bit more time on is Proverbs 3, Lily. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Could we have the next one? There's a lot in Proverbs about not relying on your own wisdom. Now there are times the two do go together, God's wisdom and yours can go together, it's not always different, but there are times when you really have to put aside what you think and feel, as do I, and we have to go with God's wisdom. We have to humble ourselves really. I'm going to give you a new definition of humility today. Being humble is putting aside your own thoughts and feelings if they are different to God's and trying to take on board what God says about you. Now, you can't just do that like that. It's a process. You have to keep doing it. You have to keep putting aside your thoughts and feelings and you have to keep speaking God's word over yourself. And, you know, perhaps I am blessed. I am his daughter or his son. God does love me. He is with me. As Kath was saying last week, God is with me here and now, right now. You have to speak those things. And I would put to you that pride is when we elevate our thoughts and feelings above what God says. 
it's a bit of a new way to look at pride and humility because our way can be different to God's way. Yeah. Honour is not before humility, it also says on the word. So with regard to that, I'm going to ask you a question, okay? I want you to put your hands up, if you don't mind. Who's unworthy to receive God's grace and wisdom? Right, good, most of us know that is true. Here's another question. Who in this room is righteous and pleasing to God? Awesome, I'm glad to see some of you agreeing with that. The problem can be that we all know we're unworthy. That's easy, isn't it? We're all aware of that. But we forget to be aware of the fact that God has redeemed us, and as well as our soul, which is being redeemed on a daily basis, as we start speaking these scriptures over ourselves and worshipping God, that's renewing our mind, our mind, emotions and will, and we get more like Jesus. But we forget that our born-again spirit is already redeemed and perfect and righteous. We've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We're aware of our unworthiness, and that's fine, because we are but we need to be aware also of what God says, and that's that we are redeemed. We are sons and daughters. Our sins have been taken away. God says, Hebrews 8, 12, take this one away if you take nothing else away. God says, I will be merciful and gracious toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. We forget that, don't we? We're so aware of our unworthiness, we forget. We forget. There's so many scriptures that tell us that. There are so many, and we forget a lot of the time. We forget that we're, do you know what? God doesn't even hold us accountable for our sin because he made Jesus accountable. If you committed a crime and went to court and the jury made a mistake and, and declared you innocent, you wouldn't be held accountable for that crime. Now, God didn't make a mistake. He's declared you non-accountable because he made Jesus accountable. You and I go free. We are not held accountable for our sin. That sets us free to be sons and daughters of God. Doesn't mean we won't make mistakes or fall into sin at times. But it does mean that in God's eyes, we are righteous. Now that can sound really scary, can't it? If I say, God does not hold you accountable for your sin, that sounds scary. Because people will say, what? You mean I can go out and sin and I'm not accountable? But that's not what I'm saying. If you get it, if you start to get that in his wisdom and his grace, 
God has set you free from your sin, the last thing you will want to do is go out there and deliberately sin. You will be so grateful to God, even if you get it a little bit. You just don't want to go out and do that. And it's going to impact the way that you treat other people. When you know you've got God's grace and mercy, that in his wisdom he's set you free, you're not going to be, you're not going to be hard on other people because you remember. You know, you think, well, God's forgiven me, so I've got to do that for them too. And neither am I saying when I say God does not hold you accountable for your sin, I'm not saying there won't be consequences when we sin because the law of sowing and reaping is still in operation. So if you go out and be horrible to somebody, you're going to reap that back, aren't you? It's still in operation. God still loves you, but that's in operation. And also, if you go out and deliberately sin, you're putting a target on your chest, aren't you, and saying, come on, devil, I'm opening my life up. So, no, I'm not saying it's okay to go out and deliberately sin. We're human and we'll still fall, won't we? But you won't even want to if you start to get the fact that God has set you free from your sin to be sons and daughters. There is... Someone called Enoch in the scriptures, not very much about him. He's in Genesis 4 and 5. And he's also in, he's mentioned in the Heroes of Faith in Hebrews 11. Um, so I'm going to tell you about Enoch. Um, I can't just find the scripture, I've lost my plot now. <laughs> but, um, but Enoch had a testimony. He went around saying, I am pleasing to God. God is pleased with me. Can you imagine that, going around saying that? And because in Hebrews 11, it said by faith, he said these things, then you know, it wasn't because he, well, he can't have been good in himself, can he? Because none of us are. He had faith in God and, and, and perhaps in the Messiah to come, the same as David did. But he was saying, I'm pleasing to God by faith. And God actually took him to heaven without him dying because it made God so happy that Enoch was stating his truth and that Enoch was going against the natural, if you like, and declaring God's word about him, that he was pleasing to God. So I'm going to challenge you today. Could we have the next one? Oh, yes, this one is just the, the scripture that backs that up. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways. Your ways declare the Lord. Our way would be to go around always saying, I'm so unworthy, I'm so unworthy, and that's true. But as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than yours. God is wiser than you. And he says, you're my son, you're my daughter. I will remember your sins no more. So I'm daring you today. And the next slide we have. I'm daring you today to agree with God. Satan says, look at your sin. Yes, we have to acknowledge, yeah, the sin. 
But God says, look at my son. My son is bigger than your sin. My son is so wise, so full of grace, that he's overcome your sin. And I'm daring you today. You start, even at your worst, realizing that grace is undeserved favor. Even at your worst, even if you've done something stupid, and, and God's, I've had to do this, God's challenged me at times. Even if you know you've done something stupid and you feel awful, you start saying, I am still righteous in his sight. God loves me. I am redeemed. Yes, I failed him, but I am redeemed. And you know, when God first started telling me to do this, it kind of offended me. My religious response, you know, I mean, it, I thought, I can't say that. I've just done something stupid or I've, I've got this wrong emotion. I can't say that. God challenged me to say, no, you are righteous in my sight. And I started to do it. This is about 18 months ago, I think. Started, he, he told me to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, even when I felt really bad. And you know what? It dissipates that whole condemnation thing. And you get that sense of, yeah, you know what? I'm a child of God, and I'm going to get up and go on. I am his child. He does love me. You know, I mean, if your kid does something bad, you still love them, don't you? You try and help them, and God will engage with us, and he'll change us. But you love them, and you're still, that child still belongs to you. They don't cease to be your child if they mess up. And it's the same way with God. So I'm daring you. And you see if it doesn't change your life. Because I'll tell you what, it's changed mine. And I'm, I've come through that, through that 18 months to a much stronger, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm 100% there, but a stronger sense of being his child and of his love and his grace through that wisdom that he gave to me. Now, I also just want to say a little bit about tapping into God's wisdom when you're in difficulties, because you might say, well, this is all very well and good, but what about the situation I am in? And I want you to know that I'm no different than you, and that even very, very recently, I have gone through a time that's been one of the most painful, emotionally painful times of my entire life. And what do you do in that situation? It looks like God's not there, doesn't it? When we're in a difficult situation. Well, I did all the things I usually do. You know, I went on confessing, I went on worshiping, but you know, there comes a point where you just say, God, this hurts so badly. I don't even know if I can hold on. And God comes through in his wisdom. And through this period of time, and it was a period of time over some weeks and months, especially the last few weeks of it, God did something different in his wisdom. He gave me different wisdom each time. On that occasion when I said, God, I, can't, I don't know if I can hold on, he gave me a picture. And in this picture, I couldn't see him, but I could feel him 
holding me. And he was saying, don't worry about it. I've got you. I'm holding on to you. Another time, I felt pretty much the same, I think. And I was thinking, come on then, you know, God, I want a picture, I want a word. I want... And, and God said, no, he said, I want you to go. And he gave me something I've got to do. And I didn't want to do it. It was out of my comfort zone. He gave me something to do. He didn't give me a picture. He said, this would be wisdom, go and do it. And you know what, when I did, it was one of the things that kick-started coming out of this very bad time that we'd been in. Another time, God spoke to us and said, go and talk to those particular friends. And we needed to break this open and go and talk with someone else. And that was another great step forward. Another time he gave me a song that had a scripture in it um, that was about, I'll even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And then he just does things for you sometimes, doesn't he? He just shows you his love when you're in a bad time. And actually this jacket, I'm sort of wrapped in his love. This was given to me. This wonderful designer jacket by a lady who is at the yard and she was selling stuff on eBay. She could have had a lot of money for it and she gave it to me. And um, I was like, whoa, you know, this is just God, isn't it? This is just God saying, I love you. Don't worry, I love you. I've got you. And I've come like, yeah, this is God's love to me. He just wanted to show me that he loved me. It's all okay. Sometimes situations don't work out all in a day, do they? This has been a process. But his wisdom will still come to you, no matter what situation you're in. Cry to him from your heart. He'll come through might not be the way you want. He may give you things to do you're not comfortable with, but he'll get you there in his wisdom. Okay. Another thing you can do is pray in tongues, but I'm going to talk about that another time, about God's wisdom manifest that way. Um, so really, just to recap, God is wise. He's bigger than everything. He's always the answer. God is never the problem. Problems come because of us, don't they? Because of people. But God is the God of solutions. We can tap into his grace and wisdom by asking, seeking, worshipping, listening to him. And I'll just tell you quickly from Proverbs 3, some of the benefits of his wisdom. Long life, life worth living, honour from God and man, prosperity and health, peace, pleasantness, God making your path straight, access to the tree of life, security, not stumbling so much, being unafraid. Some of the benefits of being able to tap into God's wisdom. Awesome. There's loads and loads of scriptures on it. Plenty in Proverbs, plenty in the New Testament. Worth doing a search if you've got, you know, an app where you can put wisdom into your Bible app. It's worth it. It's fantastic. We're seeking that which is more precious than gold, silver and precious stones. It's Jesus. 
Jesus is the source of wisdom and grace. Now, the worship team are going to come back up. They're going to so sing a song that is very special to me. It's a song that God has 